This is Launch Left Podcast. I'm Rain Phoenix. It's our first episode of 2023. And today, our very special guest is Rooney Mara. Don't forget, rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. So I'm glad you came today because I have some very serious questions to ask you. Okay. <laughs> Did you always have a crush on Walk? Did I always have a crush on Walk? <laughs> Um, you mean like before I knew him or like since I've known him? I didn't have like a crush and I didn't have like posters of him on my walls. Right. Um, and when I first met him, it was in the hair and makeup trailer for her. And, um, I sat down next to him and he was like, you can call me Nighthawk. Is that what it is? It's from, it's from Step Brothers. Oh, but I didn't know that because I had never seen Step Brothers. And so I was like, oh, he's like, this is like a weird method thing. He wants me to call him Nighthawk. <laughs> but he was joking. Um, so I don't know if I had a crush on him in that. I think I was a little more confused by him than anything. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sometimes that, that's, the story of a, that's the story of love. Something yeah. starts confusing and grows. That really wasn't why I brought you here today. Although I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy hearing that. Yeah. That you weren't, you didn't have a crush on him. <laughs> I had a boyfriend, so. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I did not have a crush on him. I would say welcome to Launch Left Podcast, but really, it's like, I, welcome to a conversation between us about art and activism, because I've never sat down and been like, let's I talk know, about. Many years in the making. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we have in a cursory way, obviously, talked about creativity and been around each other while we've both been creative in music and acting and whatever are the ways i mean i if i were to like i know you're not asking for your rock and roll spirit animal but i had three in mind for you oh i want to know okay so i was thinking it's a it's a real i feel like it's a little bit of all three of these artists patty smith Sinead o'connor and kate bush that's a hardcore woman right there I mean, so much admiration of anyone who can join those two, mm-hmm. because I find that a lot of times strong women do come off really like intense, right? Or not as feminine feeling mm-hmm. and vice versa. I mean, maybe that's a judgment on my part. But for example, me, mm-hmm. I feel that maybe people would say I'm a strong woman and not necessarily known. I think you're a feminine rain. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Because yeah. I always feel like I come off as a little bit. No. It's the Aries in me. It comes off a little like, well, yeah, fiery. That's my, I have the Aries too. But I don't feel like an Aries. I'm quite soft on the inside. I mean, painfully so, probably. I've always been very sensitive and empathetic. And I think I probably like mask a lot of that with a tough outer shell. It seems like you always have been had this gentle spirit side, right? Yes. But um, Pisces Moon. You seem like you know who you are, but mm-hmm. that you're so gentle. So, mm. um, which meant that with the, your family, I'm sure you put your foot down for your gentleness. Do you remember the point where that first happened, where you were like, "I don't, I'm not okay with this," or maybe it's around animal or vegetarianism? Because I know that you were always really sensitive in that way right yeah Uh i don't know i know that from when i was really young like three probably or maybe even younger um but yeah probably three two or three i i I would tell my mom that i was sad and i didn't know why and i don't think i actually was sad i think i was just like 
I could probably feel other people's sadness, mm. you know, and like didn't know what that was. Because mm. um, I certainly didn't have a reason to be sad. I had a wonderful family and childhood. Um, but yes, I was very sensitive from from a young age and had terrible stomach aches because of it. And wow. Um, but I was always yes, always been very drawn to animals and small small things. Were you vegetarian? Did that parlay into how you ate as a child, or were you? I was vegetarian. I, I the first time I went vegetarian, I think I was. Um, I want to say like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, my best friends at the time, one of they were twins, and one of them was vegetarian. And it hadn't even occurred to me that I could do that, that I could, like, say, oh, I'm not eating that. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I immediately was like, yes, I'm, I'm that too. I'm vegetarian. I don't want to eat animals. And so I did that for as long as I could, but my parents wouldn't let me stay vegetarian because I was a very, very picky eater. There was, like, five things I would eat. Um, mm. So I was vegetarian on and off my childhood and then... When I was an adult, then I was on. Mm-hmm. And then I went vegan like 11 years ago, I think. You were vegan before you met Joaquin? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, just before. I would say probably six months before I met him, I turned vegan. He'd probably love to take credit for it, but it was before I met him. <laughs> <laughs> and when you did meet him again, you said you met him on her, and uh, and then you met him again. Would that time did you start to be like this guy's kind of cute? Because I know you did her, and then you did oh, another well, we became, film. We became quite good friends, not oh, okay. during her, but I would say sometime after her, maybe after it came out. I don't know why he. We became really good friends, um, mm-hmm. but just friends. And um, but yeah, I definitely had a very strong connection with him. And then the second time we worked together, yes, it was, then I did have a crush on him. Yay! <laughs> We're so lucky. I'm so lucky for that because I, I, I was thinking about how long before I even knew that he knew you, I thought just based on your work alone, I was like, okay, that's, that's the kind of fierce artist I'm talking about where you make these choices that aren't necessarily the commercial choice or the easy choice or the one that everyone would like to see you make, mm. but you, you, you take risks and do things based on what you want to do. Like yeah. you do it based on what you're attracted to and what feels right for you and your spirit. And that is, to me, like that's courage in artistry because, you know, we can make all kinds of choices and make all kinds of money or and you do things that are like, well. I've made some pretty bad choices, too. I've, but done, it's I've done some things that I shouldn't have. That you regret? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. I mean, how can we be perfect? No, it's good. Those things, I think those things, you know, lead you to where you're supposed to be in a lot of ways. Yeah. Embarrassing as they can be. I always find what I find really scary about film and, and TV, unless you're the director, is that you relinquish control. Whereas in music, or certainly in my version of doing music, I can follow it all the way through to mastering yeah. and have some say. No, as an actor, you really, yeah, it's ter- it's terrifying. You are putting yourself into someone else's hands. And that's why, for me, the director's always been, that's always been like the guiding force of, of how I make decisions is I, who I want to, who I want to, whose hands I want to put myself in. Right. Right. No, that's a g- good point. And that's what I mean, too, is the choices for, it's not necessarily always the easiest 
choice, but it's making the choice based on, okay, who am I going to like collaborate with irregardless of the outcome? I, I like this person and I'm willing to do it. And, and the project, whether, you know, like you said, whether it ends up being a reg- regrettable yeah. or not, that's so cool that you have that. Yeah. I guess as you, as I get older too, yes, it is like, Oh, do I want to spend time with this person or in this world mm-hmm. or with this character or whatever do I want to, is it something that I think the world, is it something I think the world needs mm-hmm. and is it something I want in my life? Because yeah, I don't really work very often anymore. So, well, speaking of working, I know that you have women talking just came out yes. not too long ago. I, I got to see it. And, um, I mean, the whole film was really intense and topical and yet, set in this otherworldly, unplugged, Amish country sort of (laughs) vibe. But it felt so, like, you know, the conversation was so important and so topical. Okay, this is a perfect example of, you know, your spirit animal. I picked three really fierce, badass Uh rock and roll. But in this this character, you were so gentle Mm -hmm. that I didn't recognize the Rooney that I had perceived was Rooney when I saw the film. So I love when I see people that I know and I'm close to do a character that I don't recognize them in. Like, and I, you know, not to say that you're not gentle and sweet. I'm going to have to show my (laughs) softer side around you. I know. I have no idea. (laughs) But I was like blown away. And uh, what was the experience like for you to be out in such a expansive landscape with all these really talented women, it was amazing. It was a. It sounds so like Pollyannish when we all talk about it now, because it sounds like we're like I don't know, making it sound like it was better than it was. But for me, especially because a lot of the other women were playing these really angry, emotional, intense roles. Not to say that Ona doesn't have those things inside of her, but I was playing a more peaceful, you know, someone who sort of embodied love and empathy. And so it was a more peaceful experience for me, but it was incredible to uh, get to work with so many women and multi-generational, you know, there's like every age group there. So it was really interesting conversation. And we really had so much fun. And Sarah uh, Polly is just an incredible um, person and writer and filmmaker and mother and um, this was sort of my first job that I had done as a mother. And so that was really, it was a very like important experience for me because I wasn't really sure if I could work and I, if I could do both. Uh, I still don't know, but on the, you know, Sarah made it possible on this that we were working 10 hour days. Um, and Claire Foy, who's a mom, you know, I was just able to like get advice from Claire and Sheila and Judith and all these moms that were that I was working with um and River was there on set all the time in the green room and so it was a very like idyllic situation it probably won't happen like that ever again but it was it was pretty pretty rad he was super young too right how old was River when he you went to do 10 months when we started wow. he turned 1 year on so he was walking on it or no or yeah. was he yeah Oh my gosh. So he yeah. must have fun because you were literally, it seemed like, in the middle of nowhere. No, we were in Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah, most of it was shot in, at a soundstage in Toronto. Like, there were many days on the farm, and that was great because 
lots of things to do outside and horses and frolicking in the fields. But a lot of it was on a soundstage in Toronto. Um, but it was still fun. We had this green room that because of COVID and because of the soundstage, you know, normally as an actor, you like go back to your trailer between setups mm-hmm. and at lunch and like you just don't really... I mean, maybe other people are more social than me and they don't do that. But most of the time you spend a lot of time alone. But because of COVID and the way how the distance from the soundstage to the trailers, we were all in this big green room together, all of the women. And we each had like these little partitions and there was a huge snack table. And Oscar, my dog, was there uh, all day, every day. And River was there. So it was like, yeah, it was really fun. That sounds so good. I yeah. still marvel at how people do soundstage spins. I, I had no idea seeing the film that that was a soundstage, yeah. the barn. And just the difference, the few times I've done that where I had to act on a stage versus it's, in real life, it's such a different. Yeah. The energy of there is no outside. You're literally there is faking no it. <laughs> yes. It's dead room. It feels it's like a dead, dead room. Yeah, I remember early on we went to the farm to shoot something. We had already shot a few days in the soundstage hayloft, and we went to, like, shoot an exterior, and I was just like, no, why aren't we shooting it here? You can, you know, you feel, like, the wind on your face, and you hear insects and birds, Mm -hmm. and, like, yeah, there's just life and energy, and Mm -hmm. uh, which is such a big part of these women's lives is nature. So my question that I always ask everyone is, how did music find you? Yeah, I wish I could remember because I'm sure there's younger things, but I know growing up, my mom was very into musical theater, so we would go to Broadway shows all the time. Um, I wish I knew what my first one was. I don't know. Um, But I know that I was obsessed with Rent, the musical. Like, uh, you know, I saw it like six times or something. Like, my dream was the teenagers used to, like, camp out in front of the theater so that they could get free tickets, and you'd always see them when you were going there. And I was like, oh, I can't wait till I'm old enough to do that. Um, I never did it. But <laughs> I think the first um, CD that I ever bought was Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Phil. Uh-huh. I made my dad take me to Sam Goody and buy it, and then I went home, and I was, like, blasting it in my room, and he came running up, and he was like, what is this shit? <laughs> He was so mad that he had bought it for me and, like, didn't know. And I was like, what? I didn't know what she was talking about on it, of course. But, yeah, I think that was That's my first CD. awesome. Did you get into vinyl at all or any other format? No. Mostly CDs. I mean, that was sort yeah. of the era for CDs. That was when it was. Yeah. Yeah. I was really into, like, Fiona Apple. And, yeah. Um, Nirvana is my favorite. Oh, I want to add Fiona Apple to your spirit animal oh, list. Oh, I like that. Okay. <laughs> Fiona, Patty, Sinead, and uh, Kate Bush. Yeah, Kate I didn't Bush get, I didn't get really into whimsical. Patty and Sinead until I was much older. How about Kate Bush? Do you have any? Uh... No, I'm not. I need okay. to be Okay, because that, that was literally my number one childhood oh, influence. Really? And when I was a teenager, that's where you would find me is singing like, out on the <laughs> Wuthering Heights, you know, because she had such a oh, rock. Yeah. I love that song. star voice. Like the, and so I, that's when I was like, I guess I do want to be a singer and I want to be oh a good God. singer. So cute. So she's, I'll send you a couple of her songs to start, okay. but she's otherworldly in every way. And she wrote and produced everything herself. So I loved that whole, yeah. the whole control. Yeah. <laughs> she controlled all of it. <laughs> no, <laughs> but okay. Um, Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, you grew up when CDs were what was up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. 
And you grew up in New York or? I grew up outside of New York City in like the suburbs. Do you still like uh, uh, like the New York, the state of New York as a place to live? You do? Yeah. Okay. And you like L.A. all right or? I like L.A. I go through like waves. I hated it when I first moved here. And Mm -hmm. then um, then I kind of loved it. Yeah, I have a love hate relationship with it. It's freezing right now, so I hate it right now. Did you expect to be a mother when you were a kid? Were you like, I'm going to have yes. kids? Okay, so you planned Much to. Much earlier, too. I was like, by the time I'm 25, I'm... Okay. My mom had four kids by the time she was 27. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I was now- like, by the time I'm 25, I'll be done. I'll be ready to stop being so selfish. And Yeah, and I was 25, and I was like, no... I just Still never selfish. Did. Yeah. No, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not having kids. Yeah. I need to stay selfish. Yeah. <laughs> You're not selfish at all. Right? Uh, well, but I just mean, I definitely was like, it's too much. You know, I could hard, hardly stand. Well, there's levels. many different ways to be a mother. You don't have to That's have a biological true. child to be That's a mother. true. That's true. Um, so do you like motherhood? I'm going to say outside looking in. I love it. You're my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. I think it's the best thing in the world. I mean, it re- It sounds so cliche when you talk about it, but it's things are cliche for a reason. Yeah. 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 It's, it's but I also beautiful. like have a very privileged life and um, it's really challenging even having, you know, motherhood is very challenging even when you have a privileged life. And I'm so lucky that I have the choice to get to be with him. Right. Most of the time like that. Right. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to work once a year if something feels right and other than that this is what i'm doing right you know most people don't have that option how does it feel being in like a two-actor house it doesn't feel like a two-actor house because i haven't worked in you know i didn't work for the first three and a half years we were together Mm -hmm. um i mean basically since we've been together i've only worked two or three times and like one of them was really small and short so it doesn't I mean it feels like a creative household you know we're right. constantly like talking about creative things but yeah, yeah. and don't you guys you started your a production company together yeah. so creative in front of the camera and now behind the camera yeah. on the producer side um, Valentine Pictures right? Yes and I know that you released your first documentary yeah. under that moniker, yes. Stutz, on Netflix, yes. which I loved. Yeah. Go see it. Yeah, Those of you listening and watching, Stutz. Stutz on Netflix. Tell me about how that came to be uh, one of your first ideas for the production company. Well, when me and Walk first got together, I mean, he, told, he always told me all about Stutz, uh, Phil Stutz who is uh he's written some books and he's a famous therapist here in LA um and you know he changed Joaquin's life um I remember when we first got together I was like broached or suggested or was like maybe we should live somewhere else like we don't have to live in LA maybe we should move and he was like no we can't we can't ever leave LA because Stutz is here and he was, like, dead serious. Like, that's why we're living here is basically because <laughs> Phil Stutz is here. So I love uh, – so, I, you know, he's an incredible man. And we just always talked about it. I, always. I was like, we have to get him on film. We have to get 
some of his magic and wisdom and capture it so that, you know, whoever wants to watch it can. And then I think it was during the lockdown, during COVID, we started talking about it more. And Joaquin, who's uh, good friends with Jonah Hill, he was talking about it with him. And Jonah was like, I'll direct it. And yeah, and then Jonah um, took the film to an incredible place, you know, it was really courageous. It's just beautiful. But also Jonah's journey was really important. Um, And he provided this sort of patient portal, for lack of a better word, for anyone watching it. So when you watch it, you feel like you can kind of avatar into Jonah a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. You know, like we weren't really sure what people would think of it. You know, mom, she sent like a hundred. She sent us the like, it got a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes. thing. (laughs) Mom always sends us good news. The sister's thread. Yeah. I think coming out of the pandemic, like there's so much need for these kind of conversations to be happening and for people to know that they're not alone in, in these feelings and that there are things that you can do, um, to help yourself. I'm sure you can't maybe divulge what's next, but I assume Valentine Pictures has more slate, more more of a slate upcoming that we can we expect. We do have a bunch of things we've been working on. I can't talk about most of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. We love we love it. If you don't mind, I'd love to go back a little bit in your catalog of work. Sure. In relation maybe to music to start, for example, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and Mm. then Carol, two very different films. Mm. Do you remember picking a kind of soundtrack for your character? I'm dying to know what that was. I do. I have soundtracks for all my characters. No way. I really didn't know that. I can't believe that was. Oh, yeah. I always do that. Actually, I don't. Like your own playlist. I didn't do it on Women Talking because between... You can't. Everything I was like bolting back to the green room, feeding River, and like, yeah, I didn't do it on that. But also, weren't your characters weren't allowed to listen to music? Probably right. So. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Why. That's why. That's why. You just I instinct- haven't gotten lazy. I yeah. just that, instinctually that knew. That, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, they sang hymns and stuff. I did right. actually. It's not true. I do have a. I do have a playlist for Ona. It's just all a bunch of the hymns that I had to learn for it. See, so you do. Oh, but what so was on? If you hand me my phone, God, what's on here? Okay, well, I had. I have. Which the, film is this? Like? This is for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Okay. A bunch of songs that David had. You know, like he was toying of putting them in there, and he sent them to me. So, like, you know, you can't even get these. But the immigrant song version that he did, that he used for the trailer. There's some. There's some Kate Bush on here. Mm. There's some Deanne Word on here. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Is Your Love Strong Enough, Dan Reynolds. Yeah, this is embarrassing. It's like looking at your diary or something. <laughs> like from 10 years ago, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> well, it's a character thing, though. So you, it's kind of, you. but it's also just like, oh, what music's going to like put me in that that mood? Yeah. I get. The I'm really DM like word. music. I'm so boring. I know this is like, no. I want. I, I'm so boring, and I only really listen to. I mean, sometimes we put on vinyls now, but like you know, we're listening to a lot of Raffi right now, which is and like Jack Johnson, Curious George, so like kids' yeah. music. But otherwise, I'm usually really boring with music. I listen to music when I'm driving or hiking. Like, I'm very rarely driving alone now, mm. which is like that's when I yeah do used a lot to blast. Of my, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's 
it's I miss it. Like yeah. now I'm blasting like you know kids music, but we listen to the Beatles too and like stuff like that. But um, I usually listen to the same thing over and over for like a year, and then I never want to listen to it again. Yeah, I get that. Like I had the River album on for I had that on repeat. Um, Thank you. A lot of Nirvana, a lot of the Beatles. Yeah. A lot of the Smiths. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I go through phases of, of music, and I just listen to it over and over and over and over and over. Okay, so I'm just curious. So you didn't you, – you got embarrassed when you were trying to share with us your, your character <laughs> playlist. I noticed that you just quickly were like, yeah, Well, actually, no. cause that's not the Salander one. That's like a – I don't know what that one was. It's part Salander, but I don't have the one that I was listening to on set because I remember there was like a lot of – there was a lot of more like intense, angry music on that playlist, and I don't see that on here. So, what was that overall um, experience like? How I mean, how many years ago was that? Now, oh my god, it was so long. ago. It was a long ago, right? You were so right. It was probably twelve years that ago. Movie. That because it's twenty twenty two. I think wow. we shot it. So you were 2011? like I don't know. I was twenty five. Yeah, um, the age I was supposed to be having babies. Right, had that you'd originally said you'd have four by then or something. Yeah. Uh, that movie floored me. And did you learn to ride a motorcycle? I tried. Yes, I learned. I mean, I spent months learning. Um, and I could ride a motorcycle. But r- knowing how to ride a motorcycle and knowing how to do stunts on a motorcycle of is course. totally different things. Yeah. Like hit this mark. And, you know, Fincher is very specific. So it's not like... right kind of get near the mark it's like on the mark so um i did i tried my hardest i i learned i spent months learning but basically it's all a stunt person mm-hmm. pretty much because there's also a lot of dangerous stuff in there like without a helmet on and there's no way you could ensure an actor to to do a lot of that stuff. did you ensure your eyebrows for that film because you <laughs> they were bleached that's what oh because i thought i was like did she shave her eyebrows oh no they were bleached oh okay yeah because i i was like you better have insured them as much <laughs> they don't come back yeah what if you plucked them all and they wouldn't come oh back my God, you no, would... they were bleached, they were bleached. <laughs> we would bleach them like every few days yeah. you do have world's greatest eyebrows that's why i asked <laughs> that's why i asked was that a seminal film for you as far as uh as a as an artist, did that change the way you experienced filmmaking or acting or? Yes. A few years before that, I'd done a film. Um, I'd done a Nightmare on Elm Street remake, which was not a great experience making it. Um, I have to be careful of what I say and how I talk about it. But it wasn't, it wasn't the best experience making it. And I kind of got to this place of that I still live in of I don't want to act unless I'm doing stuff that I feel like I have to do. Um, so I kind of, after making that film, decided, okay, well, I'm just not going to act anymore unless it's something that I feel that way about. And I got an audition for The Social Network, which was a small part, but it was an amazing scene. Um, and then I didn't work again from that until, I think, Dragon Tattoo. Um David didn't want to audition me for it because he thought I was not right for it based on what I did in the social network. And I kind of insisted that they put me on tape anyway. And so I did. And then um, and then he had to fight really hard for me to get the part because the studio didn't want me for it. Mm. Um, and it was it was a 
definite like real turning point in my life in my career and I learned so you know we worked on it I think from when I was cast to when I wrapped was a solid year you know with some breaks in between but I worked on it for a year straight and um yeah David really took me under his wing he became like my mentor in a lot of ways and um he took such great care to make sure that I knew that like I had a voice and that my opinion meant something. And like, he constantly was empowering me, um, which I think really affected the rest of my choices thereafter. And kind of like, I felt like that was normal. Like people care what I think. And it's not always normal, but he really like empowered me, um, to have a voice and to know that like what I, what I felt and wanted also mattered. Wow. And you were young. So that's good. That meant that moving forward, you probably had a little more confidence with uh, directors, like you said, or that experience. To just- yeah, I think it certainly also just cemented in me like work with like, you know, director, director, director. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I've tried to do is just follow the directors that I that I want to work with. Can you share anything upcoming with us that year, or is all that uh, I'm under supposed wraps? to go to a film with your brother. Oh. Um, in the spring with Pavel Pavlikowski. I hope I didn't just butcher your name, Pavel. That would be normal on the show. Um, <laughs> and then I'm supposed to do an Audrey Hepburn film after that. Yes. We'll see if it all works out. Fingers um, crossed. And then, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I just don't. Um, it's really challenging now to work being Mm -hmm. a mom. I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss anything right now. So I probably won't work for a while after that. If, if those two things happen, I want to jump back a little bit to your production company, Valentine pictures, Mm -hmm. um, because I know that there is an element to what you're doing there that involves some of your activism with Joaquin, that you Mm -hmm. both are obviously animal rights activists and vegans and, um, was that a conscious decision to have the production company be about things that you really care about in the world or did it just kind of morph into that? Yeah, I don't know that it is. That's not like our mandate, but that, that just, it kind of like the way I said in my life, I don't really want to work or be in things unless it feels like this is something I want to explore and it feels additive to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of how we feel with, with what we want to make. Like we want to make things that feel, uh, additive in some way and yeah of course those you know obviously animal rights stuff like that's one of our main the main things that we care about and think about and talk about so it just makes sense for to be steeped into some of the things we're trying to make how do you feel about these lab grown meats or any any of the ways that can potentially bring more um traditional eaters into the vegetarian world or I don't really know that much about the lab-grown meats to really be able to speak on it, but I don't have anything against it. Like, it's not it, it, anything that's going to reduce harm to animals. I'm I'm for. So, mm-hmm. sure, if people want to still eat meat and it's grown in a lab, like, go for it. Well, I don't think I won't be eating it. All right, would you? Are you going to eat it? Maybe. Um... No, I don't think I could eat real like because it's blood. You're I know, but I like all the. There's enough protein in even the fake meats. Like I couldn't yeah. eat like something that tasted but the fake really. Meats are not very good for you. 
I, know. I mean, I don't think real meat is either, but I know. But to be honest, my favorite thing is, and this is definitely coming from, uh, is Yubo right now. It's the skimmed part of like making tofu. Oh. The top of the water uh-huh. is Yuba, which is gross. just, it sounds gross, but it's it so yummy. Too. Oh my God. I love it. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I always have it. They used to serve it in New York at Suen. You'd get Yuba yeah. with ume paste and tahini sauce. And I would just go eat that. I so like pump Uh-huh. I like hemp, hempeh, tempeh. They make so many different kinds of tempeh now that aren't soy, too. Yeah. But, yeah, I like tofu. I like it all. Yeah. I, I don't really like the fake meat so much. But. Yeah, that's like special occasion, but it's but it works for me. So, okay, New Year's. We're here in the new the first episode of New Year. Did you have any um, resolutions or, or... I make a to-do list at the top of every year. Okay. Yeah. And then I, like go through it at the end i usually have not done most of them (laughs) but yeah it has like work goals on there, life goals just like spiritual goals on there um a lot of the times i'm just like bringing them over from the previous year to the next one because i don't do them all but you know i don't know what are yours um yeah i don't do that too well i usually get like i mean i'm in it now do you ever make a vision board I did once make a vision board and it was like on the fridge for a long time, but it was mostly just like, get to go to Santorini. (laughs) (laughs) Did you go? No. So I didn't, I didn't manifest the vision board. No. What about me? Um, I mean, I do wish for the world to know more kindness. Mm. Like if there's one thing that I could and I realize that it starts with me. So I've been, that's always what I try to do is I always have that on be my aware, to-do be aware that yeah. every action, every interaction I have, mm-hmm. if I'm dismissive of someone because I'm rushing and yeah. that that person like it can has really a worse affect day. you when it that happens. Even if yeah. like you, someone honks at you, yeah, it can like really change your, exactly. Yeah. It's such an awful feeling. I mean, yeah. sometimes you need to be honked at so that you look up from your phone and know that the light has turned green. But like sometimes it just feels like a, yeah. No, absolutely. So that is also kind of always my turn of year and all the time is trying to maintain more awareness of my behavior um, around others mostly because I realize how much impact it has. Cause I've noted the times that I've been really present and kind and mm-hmm. like listening. Yeah. Versus the times I haven't and the way that it affected that person and my day. Yeah. But it's so easy to be like, I got to do stuff. I'm gonna yeah. And I kind of do that. I can be a bit of a, like, got that Aries drive to just mm-hmm. go and get stuff done. And yeah. then I, there's people that just I don't see. Yeah. In the, That's beautiful, you know? right? I'm so going to add that to my list. I always have on there, like, you know, be more kind to your fan. you know, show up more for your family and friends and that. But I I'm going to add that. That's beautiful. Everyday interactions are really where yeah. I, I've been trying to focus it. Um, and failing all the time. <laughs> no. So if I saw you recently at a store and was dismissive, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm so grateful you came on the show. Thank I mean, you. It's a, literally, it is kind of a bucket list artist. You've oh always, I swear, though, you I believe it or not, before I even met you, you were in that like echelon of artists who 
did it your way, passion first, not about the bottom line or impressing the world if it didn't mean something to you. And so it's been, you're definitely been on the short list that I'm like, maybe one day Rooney will talk to me. So I'm lucky you had a movie come out. That means a lot that you feel that way. That's true. High bar. Oh, well. High bar, low bar. Let's party. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy that we got a chance to uh, talk. Life is always more about like food and baby and hanging out and like you right we like just survival stuff like (laughs) what are we eating (laughs) where's river what's what are we gonna play what What are are we gonna do what are we eating eating? yeah so it's fun to talk about um art and hear a little bit more about you as an artist because yeah i mean we've never had this conversation so thank you for taking the time to to do this today i know you're launching sue so shop or you said sway 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 so shop as Lindsay's going to come and actually talk to us today I met Lindsay five years ago, I think, um, when Sway was, you know, it's now it's like blown up into so much more. But it was just a so shop when I met her, I think. Um, and they just, yeah, they're just doing amazing, amazing things with all the trash in the world. Yeah, making it fashionably cool. It's kind yeah. of like Derek. I'm just, I'm only launching her because I'm trying to make it so that it's like wearing a sweatshirt every day is like that's what's cool and normal because that's all I want to do is wear a sweatshirt every day. <laughs> so I'm just hoping this will get more sweatshirts out there. I've been heavily influenced by your sweatshirt yeah. fashion. As you can see, we did not plan this and we're both wearing sweatshirts today. Um, probably also because... Lindsay's coming and yeah. she's literally made sweatshirts cool. And actually you have made them cool by wearing no. her sweatshirts. I don't know about that. If I'm not mistaken, I was there recently and she said, somebody just emailed me and said, I, is this a- Rooney Mara wearing a suede sweatshirt? Horribly embarrassed. Where do I get it? Yeah. <laughs> well, they wanted to buy the sweatshirt, so it couldn't have been that bad. <laughs> As promised, we're speaking to Lindsay from Sway So Shop. Sway So Shop. How do you say sue? You can say it a million different ways, but um, technically, in the it's sue so shop, okay. but it 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 depends on the moment. Okay, I like that. I like that it can morph and change based on your mood. Um, well, Rooney Mara launched you moments ago, and it was really cool because I got to talk to her about things that we normally don't necessarily just chat about, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, when she said she wanted to launch Sue So Shop, I was ecstatic because I'm a huge fan of what you do. And she was right before she left, she was like, I mean, because basically I want the sweatshirt to be like the most in vogue thing. So that can be what I wear all the time, no matter what. Yeah, it's uh, so many things. That's like one of the hardest ways to really talk about Sway. Uh, we are a sewing shop. We're a production manufacturer. We're a free clothing store. We're a community pillar. We are a place where you can repair any item of clothing or textile that you can imagine from shoes to backpacks to quilts to jeans to jackets. You can bring anything to get dyed, everything that's stained, old, dirty, you want to refresh. We have a community dye bath every month where the colors change. Um, you can, we, you can recycle your textiles there. Like when you drop off stuff for the goodwill, but you can drop it off to sway and we'll turn it into totally usable product and give it an entire second life. 
But really more than anything is Sway is kind of the future of how we can build business um, with community and people and planet in mind. We're working on becoming worker-owned this year, which we're pretty excited about. Wow, that's so cool. What the hell made you just come to that? I know that you have a background in gardening and horticulture and food and preparing food, right? So yeah. what, what, what made you switch to what we wear instead of what we eat? Gosh, I mean, they're kind of all intertwined. Like yeah. the food movement has gotten so much momentum, which I continue to hope that the clothing movement gets more of a grassroots you know, momentum that kind of expands and explodes to the very top tiers. We, I was in fashion prior and got super burnout, um, but have worked in remade and repair and reuse for 20 years. I've somehow been in fashion in this particular subject for a long time. And I took a break and came back because there wasn't any sewing shops that were kind of proving that you could provide clean, safe working environments, like a positive, um, community, uh, strongholds, like make products entirely full of garbage and like prove that you could take care of people and give thriving, you know, wages with like still, making this margin to prove to other businesses that it's like possible. I don't really care about the margin, but if we want to put pressure on other brands to get behind it, it's something that you kind of have to have to, to play with the big boys or whatever that means. Yeah. I was at your event, manual labor is skilled labor, the collaborative event you did with, um, Remind me that Indy Lawn, the National Day Laborers Network. Yeah, yeah, so cool. Like They're the just coolest. that alone that you, you know, are bringing attention to manual labor in these. I mean, as we know, often sew shop. Uh, the 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 other the more known term is sweatshop. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So you're reimagining something that has obviously a lot of negative connotations in the last 10 years, but there was no alternative. You're creating the alternative. And, and that's so difficult when you're ever, you're trying something new. I can relate (laughs) how difficult it is for people to get on board or find any correlation with things they already like, because we're Mm -hmm. so stuck in like what is fed to us commercially, that it takes a long time to just even turn the tide to understanding, much less making it a business. Because unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, but not crony capitalism. We live in a capitalist society. I, I'd love for crony capitalism to just explode. But <laughs> but there, you know, I understand that we're not going to suddenly not be a capitalist society per mm-hmm. se. But there, the movements like yours that are saying, well, we can do it fairly, though. Yeah. You know, and we can include more people and underrepresented and, and help show that there is another way to still maintain a business and not harm people. And that's so awesome. I don't think there's levels to it, right? Like there's so much investment in social impact investing to try to invest in communities of color, lower economic communities to kind of create like wealth redistribution or close the wealth gap. But if you really think about how that scale works, like the people that are social impact investing and the things that they are investing in, like it can continues to grow, but actually the gap never closes. Like there's still a disconnect. And so when people are hired for jobs, when we're hired for jobs or, you know, like we are hired on a cumulative skill, we're hired off a resume, right? So they're looking at all the skills that we've acquired over time. And they're, you know, assuming what we deserve to be paid based on that. But a manual labor, 
um, is a skilled labor that is a cumulative skill that is skill, but over time that like is in their hands, but really how we're like, you know, how we're paying people is how fast their hands can move in any given moment. And, and that has to die. That is an old stagnant, stale thought process Mm -hmm. that continues to keep the wage gap and the wealth gap very wide and far. Mm -hmm. And so this is just the beginning of really shaking things up and trying to get people on board that manual labor is skilled labor. This entire world is like functioning and our lives are thriving off manual skilled labor, but the margins and the ideas and the money and the things that we're making are are skewed. Like that is a skewed margin of abusing humans and people. Um, and then the planet right behind it. Yeah. It's, it's wild to, to hear it articulated. It's like, yeah, duh, no brainer. Why wouldn't we stop doing that? But for some reason, all of our systems, And I don't know if it was just, if you think about it, like the industrial revolution wasn't that long ago, like when we switch and maybe we're just fledgling and ignorant to how much damage in the long run compounding that behavior would have, right? Mm -hmm. Like at the time it was just like, oh, we can do this and we can hire, and maybe it was, but as soon as it's corruptible, which happened probably pretty quickly, where some people could get very wealthy and some people had to work super hard and barely make ends meet and stay in that lower income bracket. You know, once that was figured out that we can maintain this giant wealth gap, it seems like, unfortunately, some humanity was like, woo, we'll just be the ones who dominate and these will be the serfs. Yeah. Why is that? I I need you to answer this question for me. <laughs> why is that inherent in the human experience? Like, why do we do that? Why, uh, like, why do we end up landing there when and ultimately my belief is that we're all much more gentle and compassionate and kind underneath all this. We have a habit to violence in our mm-hmm. culture and a habit to um, one-upping and this sort of competition thing. And so I'm always asking that question. And that's part of why I launched Left this year is like mm-hmm. collaboration over competition. How can we as artists like come together to build a world that we actually want to live in and not so much just follow suit with what is being said that we need to do to plug in and make money? You know what I mean? Like, what's the real reason we make art to change the way we see the world to help, you know, like inspire others in that way. So similarly, I think with new business models, it is a creative act. Yeah. And I've always looked at your business as a it's like an art project. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, and so my question was, do you why do you think it is, though? Is it just habitual patterns or it does is greed really easy to fall into? Why do we end up ha- like having this wealth cap still? Well, I think like there's a lot to it. I think that there was, I think initially there were some definitely like people were bullies, bully culture, like taking advantage. But I, I think that the at the core of it on the deeper human level is people are very scared. Like the human experience is so wild and so beautiful, but all always also very scary and vulnerable. And it's about control. And on the deepest level, it's about uncomfortability. Like people do not want to be uncomfortable. And there has been like a whole entire 
movement to take advantage of other people as to not be so uncomfortable. But mm -hmm. communities of color and lower economic communities have been so uncomfortable for years by people taking advantage because they don't want to be uncomfortable. And the way that it really works is when people, the consumerist capitalistic society, like who has taken advantage of these communities for so long and these like workers, they have to, they have to decide that they are going to be more comfortable being uncomfortable mm -hmm. And the good news is, is that climate change is like here to like, they don't even get a choice anymore mm -hmm. to some extent. Yeah. And they're trying to hold on and control this thing where the planet is just like so pissed off and like done with like the abuse itself. And, you know, if more businesses and more people and more artists and more just like humans in general can stand up and be like, I'm willing to be more uncomfortable. Like this is bullshit. Like I'm not willing to let people be taken advantage of anymore. And if I have to take less that so they have more, even if for whatever reason, you know, the equation doesn't like it's the, the money is how unfortunately our whole society like thrives. And that's like another broken system that needs to be like, you know, taken down. But in the meantime, like money redistribution and, and value like redistribution like needs to to be like a, a an everyday act that isn't so radical anymore and mm -hmm. people need to get very comfortable being uncomfortable and making people that have been uncomfortable for so long comfortable again mm. it's a it's a it's a meditate you know we have yeah. to walk with it every single day right yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an informal practice. It's like an awareness of that mm -hmm. and being willing to do that, which is, uh, imperceptibly probably difficult to so many who, uh, on face value would absolutely agree, mm -hmm. but it's, it's when the rubber meets the road that, you know, you really have to be so hyper vigilant mm -hmm. to what that means. Like what, 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 like, for example, can you walk me through what a discomfort um, would be, you know, what's so uncomfortable to, um, to people? Like a, well, I think like it's, it's, it's a twofold. If you think about it from like a higher business level, like Sway has been going through like a funding round to be able to become worker owned and all these businesses and venture firms that say that they're into like wealth redistribution and supporting communities of color and bringing up laborers and, you know, so, like changing the script, uh, when it comes down to the fact that they would have to flip their profits and like share like less than their 20% return, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like we're into this. We're so into what you're doing. We're so behind you, but it's about the numbers. And so I've right. been hearing that over and over. And so I'm like, oh, you actually like, I'm, I don't have any money. The only reason why we have decided to create a business that makes millions and millions of dollars is in order to be able to redistribute it. But I don't even have any and I'm willing to like sacrifice like and show up to be able to like try to flip the script and you have tons and you're right. not willing to share. Yeah. So that's like on the biggest business level is people need to really actually like say do what they say that they're going to do and like get behind this. And then on just like an individual level, it's like really doing your research. Like you could be buying some dress that's quote unquote made locally or like made in L.A. by people that are being paid a fair living wage. And you look at that brand and they don't they don't actually have employees. They're like dropping stuff off downtown at a sewing shop and paying, you know, $50 to have that $300 dress cut and sewn. 
and they're not responsible for sick pay. They're not responsible for a safe working environment. They're not responsible for career advancement. None of that stuff is happening. And so we're being fed, you know, we're working our jobs throughout the day. We're feeling the climate literally and figuratively like heating up. We go out on the weekends to use our dollar as our vote to make change, but we're not like making ourselves uncomfortable enough. And like, I want to go out to dinner with friends. I want to do this. Actually, I'm going to stay home and like do my research, check in, make sure that every place I'm putting my money towards is moving the planet and the world in the way that I like, you know, dream to see it. Mm. And I, I really think it's, it's about personal sacrifice of time and energy and money to make sure that we're flowing it in the directions that are, that are providing this type of change, that this planet, you know, and humanity like so desperately needs. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, to simplify things for people who are, you know, yeah, that's still, like really intense. <laughs> no, no, no. I liked it. But to, who still are just, you know, they should go out with their friends and have their dinner and whatever yes. is that more businesses like Sway should exist that yeah. it's real easy. It's like, mm -hmm. I know that's where I go. If I want to get a gift mm -hmm. that I know is not harm the planet, the people who made it, yeah. I, I just go there. And when I right. need like a free, like I got a, a pant, an amazing pair of pants that I've worn the last two days. These are not them, <laughs> but they were so dirty. I couldn't wear them again. Um, the last time I visited, they were like these, those cool brown pants yeah. or whatever. I love them. And I've got yeah. that out of the free box. And I was there to witness a young mother just thank you and the staff for providing a free box for infant clothes and children's clothes because the baby keeps growing and mm -hmm. she can't afford to just keep buying new sizes. And that really, I was like, oh my God, that was so special that I got to witness that. And she yeah. brought her kid and like picked him out. It was just really sweet. So I just want, I'm so glad that Rooney launched you and Sway So Shop. And, I, and I'm so, and to me, I feel like the idea now is we need more businesses like this. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we need more people willing to take the risk to kind of not only, you know, take per personal responsibility and, and feel that discomfort, but to, which is what you've done, build a business that helps others do that without a lot of effort. Cause mm -hmm. everybody wants things to be easy. I yeah. Mean, we live in a very convenient and we've been, we've been raised to value convenience mm -hmm. and expediency, right? So you've made a business that like has beautiful things that, that anyone like can go Christmas shopping there, right? You know, or mm -hmm. can go birthday shopping or can go Hanukkah shopping or whatever yeah. it is. There is no real limit to what you can do there. But the fact is without you, that wouldn't be there. And that's so cool. Like let's get more of these businesses that are willing to take the risk and kind of make it convenient to be inconvenienced. Well, and I think like, I'm really hoping that a sway tries to figure it out. Cause that's like the misconception also sways out in the world. And they're like, Oh, sway's killing it. And I'm like, we're actually not, we're like, you know, week month to month, we're like continuing to make it happen. But like, I think that more people need to get behind these businesses as they do exist because people do say they want to support all these things. But when it comes down to it, they choose convenience, what's closer, like what's easier, whatever. And I think that's like also part of the uncomfortability mm -hmm. that people have to get behind. The research part is yeah. super important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yay, Rooney did her research She's and cool. look where we are yeah. now. I know. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything else you wanted to share about upcoming things? And Yeah. Like we're getting ready to uh, like globally launch the manual labor is guild labor campaign with the national day laborers network, Endilon, um, in January, 2023. And so 
you know, look for it on a billboard near you. And uh, there's cool sweatshirts and merch that are 100% remade post-consumer. And I think like the more people walk into places and parties and events and dinner with friends with a sweatshirt that says manual labor is skilled labor, we have to start letting that penetrate on a cellular level because that's going to mean that you respect the guy making your dinner. You respect the, 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 the person taking care of your family, the person um, like you know, building roads, like all of that is so key. And we don't have enough like respect and, um, uh, and general overall whelming, um, embracing that, that that is what is making our lives thrive. We're on Instagram. Uh, and a lot of people tell me that's how they have found us or like followed along in our journey. We have like uh, you know, like a halfway decent website for, you know, our company. And then just in general, like, look for us. We're like planning on opening a store in New York in 2023. And like, we have a national mail-in repair and dye bath program. So you can, if you're not in Los Angeles, you can still like participate in Sway. And we have multiple avenues of reuse for textiles and community building. And I urge everyone, this isn't like a cool kids club. Like this is like, this is a for everyone club that wants to be like a part of change. So yes, yeah, you always inspire me. You have the best way to talk about and you're so passionate about what you do. I'm going to spell it for you out there. It's S U A Y. So shop S E W S H O P Sway So shop Sway So shop. However you want to sway it. Yeah. However you want to sway it. I really want to do sway the vote this year. Oh, that's that so really good rad. One. Yeah. And then we're going to put all the info of, of Lindsay and the shop and anything else pertinent in the description on YouTube. So find us on YouTube for this little excerpt. If you're listening on the podcast, we're so glad you were here with us today. Lindsay, I'm thank you. Thank you. Thank Rooney Mara. Yeah. She's uh, like I said, high recommend, high recommend. <laughs> Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields.